0: I want to start um, by getting a bit of audience participation, so just to, just to prepare you for that. Okay. What is the scariest word you can think of? One word that, that strikes fear into your heart, that, that gives you butterflies in your stomach. Okay. I'm going to give you 20 seconds uh, to just talk among yourselves. What is the scariest word you can think of? Okay. Give me some feedback. What what's the scariest word you can think of? Shout it out. Spines. Spiders. Yeah, I I had that one. That that's that's in my top three, I think. <laughs> Bankrupt. Bankrupt. <laughs> well, that's two words, but I'll let you have it. Yeah. Any others? What was that? Loneliness, yeah, that's a scary word I went searching online to see what other people said about this Uh, Some were related to health, like death and cancer Uh, Some were religious words like hell and sin Um, Some would be scary when they were said in a certain way or in a certain context Stop or fire Uh, Another person said that Monday was the scariest word they knew Some people nodding their heads uh, I asked someone before the service, I won't name names, uh, what the scariest word was, uh, and they said, washing up. <laughs> I'll leave it to you to work out who that was. Um, <laughs> well, there, there is a word that fills many Christians with fear, and that word is evangelism. Do you find evangelism a scary word? Does your throat go dry at the thought of trying to explain the gospel to someone? Does your heart skip a beat imagining a question that you can't answer? Do your palms go sweaty trying to to pluck up the courage to invite someone to an event? What if they say no? What if I offend someone? What if I say, horror of horrors, the wrong thing? Well, if that describes you as much as it describes me, uh, then uh, these verses at the end of Matthew's Gospel are, are what we need. Jesus challenges our distorted view of evangelism uh, and gives us, instead, an exciting vision. So let me just pray as we as we get into that. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for uh, the words of Jesus that we have recorded in the Bible. Um, yeah, thank you that we can... Uh, hear uh, what he said to us uh, and I pray that you would you'd help me uh, today to explain those words clearly uh, and that you'd help us to listen uh, to what you have to say to us Um, and we ask it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Okay let's start with a, a definition then. What is evangelism? It's not the same as evangelical okay as in Rotherham Evangelical Church that word that you always stumble over when you try and say the name of our church. But it's got the same root to it. So evangel is the gospel. It's like the the Greek word for the gospel. Put simply, it is the good news about Jesus Christ dying in our place for our sins. So that we can have a relationship with God. So evangelical means gospel believing. And evangelism is gospel sharing. So as a church, we, we are of course evangelical, that's why it's in the name, uh, but we're also evangelistic, we want to be engaged in evangelism, so um, yeah, in sharing in sharing the good news with other people. And this is how the global church has grown, hasn't it, from just a handful of Jesus' closest friends to hundreds of millions of people across the world today. It was one of the last things he said to his disciples before he went into heaven. Jesus didn't want to leave them thinking, well, what do we do? What do we do now? So he gave his followers, uh, I, I guess, an assignment, a bit of homework to do. Um, yeah, basically something to be getting on with while, uh, while he returns. And that's been the mission of the church for the last 2,000 years. Uh, someone has said um, that the church is the only organisation that exists for the benefit of its non-members. But it's sad that many churches, at least in this country, have become more inward-looking in recent years, as it becomes maybe uh, maybe a bit more difficult, maybe less culturally acceptable uh, to share our faith. But as Christ Church at REC, we, we want to stay faithful to what Christ commanded. We want to obey him. We want to fulfill that mission that he's given us, to share the gospel, so that more people would come to know him. Uh, if you've been here over the last few weeks, you'll know that we're we're looking at this uh, series in our values, uh, foundations, uh, and we've come to the fourth and final uh, one of our values, uh, and it's this: we are committed to sharing what we believe with others. Now you might be thinking, isn't that a thing that we do, rather than a value? It's a a practice, isn't it? Not really a principle. But it's more than a practice, more than one thing. Our church does, among many other things. We want evangelism to be part of our very identity as a church. We want it to be in our DNA, if you like. Evangelism, like our other values, isn't a program that we run, but it's something that we want to be informing and infusing everything that we do. It's our mission. We gather together in order to be sent out into the world with a message of hope. We exist, really, to take the gospel out. So this is not a, a seminar on evangelistic tools and methods. Um, those those can be good things, uh, and we've done that sort of thing in the uh, recent past. Um, so yeah, if you, if you want us to share the, the notes on that seminar that we did uh maybe a year or two ago, we can do that. Uh, But what I really want to do today is unpack Jesus' command in those last few verses of Matthew so that we can better understand the mission that Jesus gives to his church. I want us to see how evangelism isn't a scary word for us to fear, but an amazing and exciting project that we get to be involved in. And if you're here looking in, today as someone who is not a Christian, then I, I hope you can get a sense of why this is important to us, why, why we do it. Now as we read through the Gospels we realise that Jesus is a great model of leadership and there are, there are tons of books about that you can read about how to be a good leader um, but Jesus came before all of that and, and was a brilliant leader already. I'm no leadership expert, um, and maybe Ian Jones will correct me on this later, but if you want people to be on board with your project as a leader, I think there's a few vital steps. Okay, there's four, four steps, in fact. Uh, Number one, give them the right motivation. Step two, set a clear goal. Step three, provide the necessary resources. And step four, encourage teamwork. Now, as a leader, you're probably not supposed to tell the people that that's what you're doing, but I've done that because it it makes a nice little structure for you to remember, so there we go. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to see how Jesus brilliantly does uh, this for his disciples and for us. So uh, step one is about the right motivation. Sir Edmund Hillary, you might have heard of him. He was the first man to reach the summit of Mount Everest. Uh, He's quoted as saying that motivation is the single most important factor in any sort of success. Now, ironically, I, I struggle to find what his actual motivation was for climbing Everest. Um, it, was, it was a bit vague, and he just seemed to get carried along, and it happened. Uh, but anyway, we'll leave that aside. Uh, having the right motivation will help us when the going gets tough. It'll help us cut through those excuses that we're inevitably going to come up with. And there are plenty of excuses, aren't there, that we come up with for not doing evangelism. It's arrogant. It's weird. People might get upset with me or offended. I'm not very good at it. I'll leave it to the pros. You can probably think of more. Well, Jesus gives his disciples a motivation that overcomes all of these Let's read it together. If you've got your Bibles open, um, look down again for me at Matthew 28. uh, And we're we're just going to look at the last few verses, really. So uh, verses 18 and 19. So then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Notice how verse 19 begins, Therefore, You've probably heard this said before, but the question that we've got to ask when we see the word therefore is what is it therefore? Thank you, Sam. Um, you give some information, and therefore, there's kind of an action that, that results from that, the consequence. So, it's called, therefore, put on a coat, is a fairly simple one. Verse 19. Starts, therefore, go and make disciples. So what is that therefore? Therefore. We'll get into what dis- making disciples means in a bit, but if we look back to verse 18, we get the reason, the motivation behind making disciples. And that motivation is Christ's received authority. What does that mean? The motivation is Christ's received authority. Hmm That really made me think. It's not quite as straightforward, is it? There we go. It's not quite as straightforward uh, as as putting on a coat when it's cold. Um, Although Hannah might tell you that sometimes I struggle with that one as well. But uh, yeah, first, what what does it actually mean that Christ has been given authority? Well, Paul tells us in Philippians 2 that as a result of Jesus' death and resurrection, God has made Jesus ruler over everything. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that in the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father now if you if you do a good job at work hopefully you'll be in line for a promotion well god gives jesus the ultimate promotion to king of the universe you can't really get any higher than that can you So that's what it means for Jesus to be given authority. God has given him this this role as king of the universe. But how does this connect with a command to share the gospel? Is Jesus saying something like, I'm in charge, so do what I say. Maybe that's what your boss says to you. Or this doesn't need to be scary because I'm in control. I don't think either of those is totally wide of the mark, but I, I think there's a closer connection there between the actual command and the, the therefore. So let me try and explain with a bit of, of illustration. Uh, yeah, I need you to use your imaginations a little bit for this one, okay? So just put your put your thinking cap on. Like they say in school, get, get your imaginations going. Imagine that you lived in a country ruled by an evil dictator. Who makes your life and your family's life just awful and miserable. I mean there are countries like that in the world today and maybe some of you have experience of this. Uh, If not you might find it easier to imagine that you're in the Star Wars universe uh, or the Star Wars galaxy and um, yeah you're under the evil empire. So yeah I'll stick with country because I might alienate half of you by doing that. Um, Your life is tough. Because of this ruler, he takes whatever he wants. you can barely afford to feed your family, never mind get them to school or buy medicine when they're ill. The rulers henchmen go around beating people up for the smallest transgressions. He's constantly at war with the neighboring countries. I'm sure you can fill in more of the story. Basically, things are bad. Things are really bad. But then one day someone rebels and overthrows the dictator. And this new leader is good and kind and wise. He's gonna turn the fortunes of the country around and, and of your family. This new leader now has authority. And of course, one of the first things that he does is have people go out from the capital city into the whole country to let them know that there is someone new in charge and that people's lives are about to get a whole lot better. Is anyone going to keep this news to themselves? Definitely not. They're going to tell everyone they meet. They're going to shout it from the rooftops. They're going to have a party. I've got a slide here. (laughs) There's some Ewoks Ewoks dancing. Because, yeah, why not? (laughs) We'll move it on just, you know, because it might be a distraction. Um... (laughs) It might be the first animated gif we've had on a a sermon slide. Um, Okay, now switch that evil dictator that you've been thinking about for sin and death. And the devil. And the good leader for Jesus. Jesus has been crowned king. The reign of sin and death is over. Jesus has overthrown and disarmed them. That's what he achieved when he died on the cross. Here is the risen Christ proving to the disciples that he's really done it. And so now, those witnesses are are ambassadors, they're heralds, who will go out from Jerusalem to let people know that Jesus is the king. Jesus now sits on the throne. If you trust in him and submit to his authority, things are going to get better. And the only thing that makes sense in response to this news is to go out and tell people to be a herald of the king who has authority. Sometimes we see authority as as a bit of a, a dirty word, don't we? But the truth is, we all live under authority. Naturally, we live under the rule of sin and death. And the Bible is clear that this leads only in one direction and that is towards eternity separated from God in hell but now we can choose to live under the rule of Christ and Christ's rule is so good Colossians 2 says that living with Christ as Lord will cause us to overflow with thankfulness life under Christ's rule is one of joy and meaning and purpose And ultimately, we get to spend eternity with him in his kingdom. If that is our story, how can we do anything but go and share it with others? The king is on his throne, so we go and tell people about it. Okay, step two is a clear goal. So that's our motivation for sharing our faith. What is the goal? What is the, the vision of evangelism? Look down with me at verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. There's a lot of stuff in these verses, but the, the central word of command is make disciples. A disciple is a follower, so the goal is making followers of Jesus. It's not convincing someone to agree with our opinion, or to change their behaviour, or to vote in a particular way, but persuading them that Christ is the King and is worth following. And it's also, it's not about getting people to respond to an altar call, or to pray some one-time prayer. That might be where someone starts their Christian life and conversion is a necessary step in the Christian life. Uh, we've got our steps diagram again um, that Ben showed you earlier. I'm glad that he explained that so I can cut out the next little bit trying to explain this. But we've got the greatest step there in the middle. It's the point where someone repents of their sin, trusts in the blood of Christ for their forgiveness and is given new life. That is a crucial uh, part um, you know, of the Christian life actually coming to faith so I'm not saying that this doesn't exist but the evidence that that has truly happened in someone's life is is that they follow Jesus in the long term that's the fruit that we want to see in evangelism we don't want to see a tally chart of how many people did we get to pray a prayer one time or how many people came forward or put their hands up and said I became a Christian." We want to see people following Christ throughout their lives. I think it's also important just to clarify here as well that, that God is responsible for people's responses, not us. We don't believe that evangelism is done through, through threats or coercion or, you know, forcing people, threatening them. We haven't failed at evangelism if someone doesn't become a Christian. We deliver the gospel and God delivers the results. Isn't that a great encouragement to us? Okay, so what will these followers of Jesus look like then, these disciples? Three quick things that uh, we notice in the passage. First, uh, they'll be from all nations. The apostles didn't stay in Jerusalem, but they went into the whole world to preach the gospel. It's a message that everyone needs to hear. Uh, And one day, John writes in Revelation, we heard it earlier. There'll be people of every tribe and language and people and nation gathered around the throne of Christ. The gospel is for everyone. Second, uh, these disciples will come by grace. Jesus tells the disciples to baptise people, doesn't he? And baptism is a symbol of us being united with Christ, dying with him to our sin, to our old selves, and rising to new life in him. We don't preach a religion of good deeds, but of grace. We don't say, um, get yourself sorted, and then God will be pleased with you. But come, come to God, what's and all because God has made a way for you to be cleansed from your sin. Third thing we notice about disciples of Christ is that they will be obedient. The vision is not for a bunch of people living as they please, but a community with a passion for for godliness, for holiness, for following Christ's commands. Jesus tells the disciples to teach people to obey his commands And we know that this comes after salvation, not before. So, yeah, we need to be careful that we're not merely trying to make people act in a way that makes them look Christian. But we're calling people to live with Christ as Lord. So this is the goal. This is the vision that Christ sets out. A world filled with born-again, dedicated followers of Jesus from every tribe and tongue and nation. Imagine that. Go on, imagine it. let that goal that that vision spare us on to share the gospel okay we've got the right motivation and we're focused on a clear goal now we need the resources to actually go and do the work what resources do we need well let's come back to that subject of fear again evangelism can be scary let's not deny that and it was certainly going to be scary for those first disciples wasn't it most of them were killed for preaching the gospel, and there's many people in the world who are imprisoned and killed uh, for preaching the gospel today. Uh, Paul writes in one Thessalonians two verse two, "We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you His gospel in the face of strong opposition." Most of us have probably not been threatened or treated outrageously for sharing the gospel. But we, we might still suffer in some way. We might be rejected by friends, insulted by colleagues, mocked by our family. Christ's command to go and make disciples may well be a costly one for us. What resource can Christ provide us with that will help us face suffering And dare to share the gospel in the face of opposition? Well he gives us the thing that we need the most, himself. We can stand firm through suffering for exactly the same reason Paul and the other apostles and every other Christian since could because we have Christ's help. He promises to be with us always even to the very end of the age. That means until he comes again, until Jesus announces himself to the whole world and evangelism becomes irrelevant. This is not just a great resource to have, but everything that we need. We can't do evangelism on our own. We don't have the strength ourselves to keep on when things get tough. And we certainly don't have the ability to change people's hearts, do we? We can't make people Christians. So if only God can do it, then we need his help. And Jesus gives us what we need. He comes in and dwells with us by his spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. There are loads of great tools that we can use in our evangelism. We're really blessed, aren't we, with brilliant books and tracts and gospel outlines and YouTube videos. And, uh, you know, we put on evangelistic events um, and apologetics debates and things like that these are all great things but these things are not themselves evangelism evangelism is faithfully sharing the good news as we're able and trusting God with the results again we're not imposing our opinion or trying to force someone to become a Christian we deliver the gospel and God delivers the results I think sometimes uh, we can be hindered as well because we set this bar in our heads and we go, well, I'm not quite there yet. I don't know enough. I'm not as clever as this person or have as many answers as that person. So I'm just gonna wait and not share my faith until I'm kind of up here. But we never reach that bar, do we? We're We're never gonna reach it. And the truth is we don't need to. We have what we need. In Christ. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's okay to not feel like we're very good at explaining things. It's okay to not have all the answers. Christ wants us to just go and faithfully proclaim the gospel as we know it. And its impacts on our lives to those around us. And he will be with us as we do it. Okay, fourth step then, teamwork. It's a bit more implicit, this one. It's not, it's not uh, explicitly there in the passage. Um, but let's think about who Jesus was speaking to. He was speaking to his disciples, right? It's not too hard. But he didn't take each of his disciples aside separately and say, you know, you go and preach the gospel. You go and preach the gospel. You go. He spoke to them together. You gave them a command to do this together. And sharing our faith is a value of REC as a whole, isn't it? Because we do evangelism together as a whole church. It just makes sense for us to band together on on one mission that we're all doing together. It is a battle and we will face opposition. So we need our fellow soldiers to be fighting alongside us. It'll be difficult at times. So we need each other to to help keep us going not only that but it's it's rare isn't it that someone comes to faith through the witness of just one person are there any christians here who feel like there was only one person and no one else who was influential in bringing them to faith it's very rare this is a whole church endeavor and can i just say I think we're doing a great job of it. So keep doing it. Uh, Here's some ways that I've seen us work together as a church in evangelism. Uh, Introducing our non-Christian friends, family, and colleagues to Christian brothers and sisters at REC. And those Christians being welcoming and friendly and interested in people's lives, showing hospitality. Uh, another one is, is just asking each other about our evangelistic efforts and praying for one another together uh, and privately. Sharing with each other in the highs and lows of evangelism. Just being honest about our fears and struggles and, and failures. As well as encouraging each other when someone is interested in asking questions. And rejoicing as well when someone is saved another one is older christians helping younger christians modeling evangelism maybe even doing a, a um, an evangelistic bible study with with the younger christians friend it's also our job as leaders as, as preachers to be equipping you from the front so do tell us if we're if we're not doing that adequately i could give you more examples and i'm, I'm sure you can think of others uh, of how this works out our church. It is a great encouragement when we see that just happening naturally uh, among you. And I don't say that to flatter you or to give you permission to just kind of relax and go, oh we're doing fine. But but I tell you that to, to encourage you to press on and, and keep doing those things and even more. You'll notice that I've not mentioned events. Again we're not anti-event. We do we do put on evangelistic events and they're, they're good, but we want to use them in the right way as part of a, a process, not as a replacement for person-to-person evangelism. Sharing our faith isn't really about events or programs or missions or whatever you want to call it, but it's something that should infect all that we do. It's about us working together to faithfully share with our friends, family, neighbours, colleagues. This good news. This this amazing hope that we have in Jesus. So, are you ready to go out and do it? We've got the motivation. Christ's authority. One, on the cross. We've got a clear goal and vision. I have people from all walks of life gathering around Christ's throne in worship. And we have the resources that we need, Christ himself with us always in everything. And we have each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ, this community of, of sinful but saved people reaching out together to invite others in to see the glory of our Lord and Saviour. I hope evangelism is not a scary word to you, but an exciting one. Uh, uh, yeah, and I pray that, that we would be committed to Christ and to that glorious vision of people being drawn out of the kingdom of darkness and into his wonderful kingdom of light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that Jesus came and died in our place for our sin lord we thank you for the awesome news that he is now king of the universe that he has dethroned uh, the the powers and authorities that were he's dethroned uh, sin and death and the devil and, and we can now live under his authority under his good rule father i pray that you would uh, help us that you would strengthen us that you would um, yeah, equip us to to be sharing the gospel, to be sharing that that good news with those around us, um, wherever we are this week, Lord. Yeah, and we ask it all in Jesus' name, Amen.